he was only 20 year old male and he ran over that whole family and everyone's dead except for that nine-year-old boy who's fighting for his life right now and the, the nine-year-old boy doesn't know what's happened to his family i don't like i don't even know how someone goes about trying to live their lives after this type of tragedy with this and like how hate. how did we allow how have we allowed a boy that young to develop in our system right like mm-hmm. that's somebody that was in our education system that that's was right. in our our systems we saw them we saw the red flags i can guarantee you right mm-hmm. they were there they're always there yeah this is in london ontario and was there no red flags wave that this kid was extremely disturbed? Like, he's oh, and 20. Like, this is a great, actually, moment to talk to you about something I've been thinking about, too, because I've been, I listened to Canada Land today mm-hmm. um, about Portapic and the RCMP cover-up that has been going on with that and that Frank just released the audio tapes of 911 calls the night before. Like, oh. they knew the this... I'm trying not to cry right now because the story's so yeah. horrifying. The... The boy that called that night was 12 years old. Oh my God. And told them what was happening. Like they knew what was happening and they've been lying this whole time saying they didn't find out till the next day. And from what I'm aware, like Wartman had family that was in the RCMP. Like these things were known. Like there were warning signs. There were all sorts of things that happened in Port Pic before and people knew of this man. Like how are we still letting this happen? Right. Right. And like, it's so horrifying to the victims to like that child, that child that managed in the last moments of his life to use it to try and warn other people. Yeah. And that we didn't do anything with that is horrifying. Yeah. The usual Canadian in action. And I am so tired of it. Right. This whole. I don't know. This whole week has just been such a freaking downer. Like, I, I don't even know if downer is the word. What's the word am I looking for? It's horrifying. Yeah, it is horrifying. It's disheartening. Horrifying. It's, 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 it like wrecks your version of what you want the world to be, right? Like, it's this constant beating that we are constantly up against to try and make lives matter each life matter literally that's the goal and it's constantly a fight and why is that a fight but it just shows you how systemic this is in our country absolutely how they can just allow something like this to happen and no responsibility is going to happen right like the rcmp and the things that have happened and the the warning signs that were probably there with this child i'm gonna call him because he was 20 and again brain development wise like his his brain had years of cooking still to go and was allowed to percolate in this crap that we allow to keep going into our children's minds and to just allow it in the guise of free speech there's nothing free speech about raising white supremacist children who are going on to run people down with bans he was weaponized. That's yes. all I can say. He was radicalized and weaponized on Canadian soil. Because at 20 years old, 
you are still a child because your brain has not fully developed. Of course they are. We are mirrors of the United States. Yes. We are, but we are thinking we're so exceptional that this could never happen here. But no, we We are, are, we're just more polite. We just don't say the things out loud that the Americans say out loud, but we exist in the exact same system. So if that is what is happening there and we see the extensive rise of domestic terrorism there and the radicalization of young white men, it is happening in Canada too. Of right? course it is. And it's the same is thing example. when ISIS was recu- recruiting, right? When they were recruiting from those types of groups because they were the disenfranchised, the people that felt they had nowhere to go, that they were losing their spots in society. They made use of those things and turned those young white men into ISIS fighters. This is this is the same thing. It's just on domestic land. It's for our own causes. It's for white supremacist causes instead of these foreign nations. That's right. It's it's because he did not like Muslims in Canada that he and decided why? to target a family walking. And how? 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 Who? In what ways did our society allow that to become the freaking idea in his head? That's right? right. That he, that that's what he associates with being Muslim. It's horrifying. It is because he, he did not grow up in isolation. No, there he are kids up. around that grew up with the same things that they heard that are thinking the same things that just haven't taken those steps yet. But what's going to change their mind? That's right. He grew up in a suburb in London, Ontario. And that is frightening. He he partook in our education system. Yes. And there were no checks and balances from any community member this whole time that had was in 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 any interaction or exposure to this individual, to this young person, that there were no red flags. I cannot believe it. Like, it's unbelievable that it took for him to make this choice this morning to damage an entire community. But his brain is so underdeveloped that he doesn't comprehend the gravity of his actions. Well, and let's talk about, you know, BC specifically, because they've been talking about mental health in children. Like, that kid is someone who was in our education system in Canada. Our kids don't get the help they need, and the people who actually have kids with mental health problems know that. They know that this system does not work, that they put us on wait lists for years, that they force us to make choices that are impossible, that you end up just medicating children and having no access to therapy time and time again, because that's the most cost-effective resource management plan for them. And honestly, no one gets help for mental health in this country unless they're in crisis. Unless they're in crisis. Yeah, and th- this was the kid in crisis. It was That's too right. late, right? If th- this is the price that we pay for not having those things available, and this is you're right, this is the price we pay as a society because we sell him as a society. All those checks and balances along the way, where there was another adult that interacted with him that should have said, "Hey, man, uh, we need to have a talk, or we need to see someone," that never happened to him. You know, and that's a failure on everyone. And I I can see some people getting really mad because he's 20 saying like he's an adult. He made those choices. I agree. He he made adult choices. He's going to pay the, he paid the consequences. Like the accountability is there. The fact is, is that bad people or people that do bad things are a result of the systems around them. 
They didn't mm-hmm. get that way in isolation. They got that way through the failed systems that allowed to get them there, whether it was parenting that allowed them to be so neglected and harmed that they ended up in this way, or whether there were no checks and balances when they were doing callous things, when they showed those red flags of problematic behavior, nobody stopped them. Or there were things that we just didn't have the funding for, right? Yeah. That that's what this has come down to, is that maybe we would have caught this if we had the funding for it. So is that what it's going to take in Canada for change to have just a shitload of maladaptive behaviors for people to act out for them to go, oh, I guess we have a we need to deal with a mental health issue here in this country. Well, and I as, just find it as, so ridiculous. As a clinician and as a person that's going to be a clinical psychologist, I have been in the systems and we do not have the resources. We do not have the resources. We see the most extreme cases most of the time because those are the people that are in crisis and those are the people that are the frequent users so a lot of people that are you know partially needing help or would seek out help there's nothing for them no there isn't and um as someone you can't be preventative in this system no you can't as someone who has taught in the system for over a decade i can completely concur with that remark because kids that you see every day in the building that need help legitimate help (laughs) with a counselor or with a child psychologist, you know, we're not talking about the kids that need something for an IEP, which is difficult to get, a, a let alone. I'm talking about kids with severe anxiety, emotional and and maladaptive behavioral problems, even oppositional defiant disorder problems. And they have to wait two to five years to see someone because the parents may not have the funds or if they get referred by if they were lucky enough to get have a family doctor like the wait list is almost two years yeah kids are not getting the help that they need and this is the end result we have an angry 20 year old who feels disenfranchised and feels like he was justified in, in making that choice this morning because in canada we're more afraid of having conversations about race and racism than actually figuring out these problems and dealing with them. Because we're more afraid of calling someone racist than saying, hey, we have a white supremacist problem growing, just like the US does. We have problems that we need to deal with, or these are gonna grow, they're gonna fester, just like they have down south, and we're gonna see the same sort of crap. And we are. We are seeing it. This is an example of it. This is an example. like. This is nothing else other than what is exactly going on in the United States right now. Yeah, whatever. A Canadian boy who's here ran over a Muslim family for no reason other than hate. That's right. What what we saw in the U.S. has come over into our border. And unless we're willing to have these difficult conversations and call it as it is and address these issues as adults in our society, we are not going to be able to deal with this. Like we have to have these honest conversations about this racist underbelly that Canada has, that we are just so polite, we don't wanna talk about it because we all wanna pretend that everything is awesome. It's like that Lego song, everything is awesome. You know, pretend If we're just polite enough, then all the shit we do doesn't count, right? That's right. Like, let's bring this back to 2.15, because we haven't mentioned that yet, and I don't think that we've talked since 2.15, that for me, I've, I've written 
a couple tweets, but I'm really just trying to read a lot of accounts of residential school survivors and, and just try and understand as much as I can. Um, it's horrifying to read, but it's important for every person that lives on their land to read the accounts of what our people did in order to establish what we call our country and sing to in our national anthem every day. Um, that we committed a genocide full stop. And the fact that we won't admit that is reprehensible. The fact is, is that those 215 <clears throat> children are not the only ones. And we know mm -hmm. that. We know that. And they refuse to do all of the things they need to do. We should be paying for mandatory um, investigation of this by disparate parties that have nothing to do with Canada. Like this is an international crime that it was is. committed in the same way that the U.S. enslaved black people, in the same way that Nazi Germany killed Jewish people. We took and enslaved these children in these places that we called school and they were prisons, they were raped, they were tortured a lot of the time, and there are mass graves of them out there that we refuse to look at. Now, every single residential school needs to be treated like a crime scene. And that's exactly what what if, it, if by law. what if 215 white children, a mass grave of them exactly. tomorrow was just fucking found in the middle of downtown Vancouver? Fuck you that everybody wouldn't be up in arms trying to deal with this, right? Like, these are children. These are generations of people that we wiped out. And we are still denying that basic fact by not even calling it a genocide. We tried to take their culture from them. We took their children from them. We are, excuse me, we are still taking their children from them. Yes. The residential yes. school system Absolutely. has been replaced with the child Absolutely. welfare system. Absolutely. The, the NCFD has now replaced the role of residential schools because there's so many accounts of Aboriginal First Nations women being forced to be sterilized after having children, forced yep. sterilizations, or or stories of them just taking their babies away after having them, and and or and they they're forced to give them up for adoption. Like I, my friend, I grew up with in Coquitlam, because I grew up in Coquitlam my whole life. Like I've been in BC my whole life, and and she's First Nations, and she she's grappling with all of this right now. We've been friends since we were in grade one together. And she was raised by, she was adopted and she was raised by a white mom. And um, she met her birth mother, I think, three years ago. And yeah, her birth mother gave her up because she was born in 1980, like me. And had she stayed with her mom, she would have had to go to residential school, right? Because they didn't close the last residential school till freaking 1996. Which is like, oh my God. And there's so many people that don't realize how recent that is, that there's no people alive right now that are actual parents right now yep. that went to the through the last part of the residential school system and got the shit beat out of them or abused or like, like you guys, we, this is something that Canadians don't talk about and they treat it as it was something so so long ago and so far removed ago but no it is within our generation yeah it is within it's not our just child welfare genocide is still happening we we have um 
gross disproportionate representation of indigenous children and families in the child welfare system. We also have gross disproportionate uh, portions of indigenous people in our jailing systems and in our prison system in a way that's over and above the way and the proportions that they jail black, black individuals in the U.S. We are worse in terms of the disproportionality that we um, incarcerate our indigenous peoples. We are a menace right? Like, these systems were designed literally to take these people down. The RCMP, mass incarceration, you know, the child welfare system, they are all directly tied into trying to take away the culture, the livelihood, and the well-being of Indigenous peoples in Canada. And why? For resources, for land. It's all yeah. because of their land. As a settler, when my family came here in 1960, Right, my grandfather immigrated here from Hong Kong. He came here to Vancouver because he was General MacArthur's translator in Second World War, the Pacific Theater. And so when um, the CCP won, right, in 1960, and there's a cultural revolution in China, they were going after everyone that helped the Allies, right? So my grandfather that helped that helped the Allies and saved all the, you know, Chinese from being murdered by the invading Japanese, you know, like he he had he was in Hong Kong and he was prosperous, but he had to leave, right? Because the CCP was coming for him. But my settler family came here in 1960, right? We mm -hmm. we built our fortune and our wealth and our livelihoods on stolen land. And that's mm -hmm. something that every Canadian, unless you are First Nations, that is what you need to understand. What our, everyone has a part to play in this and we all play a part we have to own it well and we can't it's not as simple as I wasn't alive when that happened so yeah. I don't it's not my problem if that was the way the world worked then nothing is anybody's problem and we're living in a pretty fucking shitty world at that point the yeah. fact of the matter is is that our entire generation, our entire wealth, everything of our systems is built on robbing these people of theirs, is taking generations of lives away from these people, is culling generations of these peoples. That is our legacy. And until we accept that, we can't change it. No. Because we and are still in it. We're still doing it. It's because still right happening. now. Let's let's just bring it back to COVID while we talk about let's this. Let's be honest. Who yes. is getting hit in COVID? Who is getting hit right now? It's the poor, marginalized individuals that are not the one percenters. Absolutely. Right? The ones that don't own stocks, the ones who don't own lumber industry, the ones who aren't developers. Okay, we the, the culling has just now expanded to everyone else. Yeah. That is that there's a line there is an invisible line in canada that that has decided whether or not you are worthy of saving or not okay right. let's be honest there's an invisible line it was a state okay. of emergency when victoria had high positivity rates yeah. but fuck fraser right like yeah who the hell cares what happens to them we're just gonna let's let's let me back up and revisit what was said today by rika gustafson release the freaking rika who oh, is back to the fucking 
bizarro land that we were in a year ago where they're now saying this is going to be like a flu and we're just going to, I don't know, go back to normal like there's no COVID regardless of everything else going on around us and ignoring the fact that still 12 people over the weekend are dying and that number doesn't seem to be changing because the more severe forms of COVID are the ones that are ending up in the hospital. We don't seem to be addressing, you know, the testing issues that we have. We're just planning to go back to it and guess what? That's going to work for, I don't know, 60% of the population, 70% of the population, the 70% that are pretty okay with status quo too and don't really want to shake things up, aren't interested in land back, aren't interested in the things that we're interested in because they can go back to their normal life and fuck the 15% that are going to die for it. It's unbelievable that that economy and resources are still the reason for sacrificing children. If the 215 hasn't taught fucking Canada anything, all right, the fact that they are not addressing schools and the fact that they're major areas of transmission and spread of the Delta variant. Let's pause. They are not not addressing schools. They are now actively trying to put shit out that schools are safe. They're now putting junk papers out that they don't put the data out for. That Uh, has Keith Baldry's opinion piece. I can't. I'm not even going to talk about that. The only thing I can do is the gift that I do every time I see that article, which is me kicking a car and the car just fucking falls apart when you kick it. Like the the junk that it is. It. They're looking at cases from like what. Uh, September to December before the majority of cases happened, before the, you know, variants came into play, before we knew that we weren't going to be immunizing kids, you know, we're talking about youth getting vaccinated, but that's only 12 to 18 friends. We still have this huge portion of kids under 10 getting sick and aren't going to be vaccinated for some time. So right now, this means if we go ahead with the opening, what we're saying is, 12 and above are mostly vaccinated. Fuck those under. We don't think it'll be that bad for them. Yeah, pretty much. They're willing to sacrifice 0 to 12. I'm not oh, fucking okay with that. And that 0 to 12 won't get sick. They say, you know, maybe right. we won't see any kid deaths. That's fine. But they're going to still pass it on to the grandparents that have lower immunity now because they haven't had second dose. Or people like myself who have autoimmune diseases. So we have to take medication that lowers our immune response. So we're never going to be able to build an appropriate response to COVID. Or the people out there that can never take the vaccine. There are pockets of people that still would like to be safe and able to live a life. But we've pretty much said, fuck you. Yeah, there's no asymptomatic testing in BC. They're not... There's no vaccine for zero to 12. There's Um, also no magical plan for them to pay me to stay at home for the next 10 years because I can't go out into real life. What's the plan for that? Yeah, they don't care. That's the thing. They do not care about the marginalized, the immune compromised, the disabled. I mean, that is so clear. And they're like, oh, kids are back in school. Kids are back in school. What about the kids with disabilities that haven't been able to go there the whole year because it's been unsafe for them? Or their parents are terrified. Or, you know, that are just have had to make that choice and have had the privilege to make that choice more so than other families, but still have had their options for school taken away. Because for them, it was, well, schools are safe for 70%, but... What about the 15% of the kids it's not safe for? We ignore those 15%. We pretty much say that's cost of doing business here. And let's be honest. That 15% was probably the number, the first wave. 
okay? We're three waves in, and there's been a lot of people that have developed comorbidities since. Yeah. Who don't even know they've developed comorbidities. Let's be honest. So you hit with the fourth wave, a full-blown Delta variant fourth wave, and this is what's happening right now in the U.S. They're having a fourth wave hit right now with the Delta variant. Mm -hmm. And people even who are immunized two doses, fully vaccinated with two doses, are getting sick. Getting sick. Okay, the kids are getting really sick to the point that we have kids under 15 being on ventilators right now in a lot of ICUs. Like we have a lot of children's hospitals and I know they're being muzzled, but they have kids on ventilators and they're not allowed to talk about it. All right. The fact that they keep pretending everything is awesome and everything is okay, it is mind blowing to me. And they intend on opening full up, no masks July opening the peony opening restaurants restaurants are packed by the way every like this last weekend all the restos opened and you wouldn't have known that there was a pandemic you wouldn't even be able to tell well let me just see the cases so i have the cases open by month for kids here in children um yeah so like they're looking at data lots of the time from september to december when there were about i don't know 1500 cases in under 10 and about 4,400 cases in 10 to 19. January to end of April, let's see, we're at about 7,000 cases for 10 to 19. And about, what, 4,400 cases for under 10? So they're just ignoring the fact that the huge majority of cases occurred after these time frames that they're talking about and not talking about what that means yeah or the fact that their measures when they were in place still allowed for this many cases to occur right so when the variants came into play this plan didn't work so well because we saw huge portions of kids getting sick so how is that an acceptable outcome of this and why are we going to continue to let this happen We have 23,000 kids that got sick in BC, a huge portion of them in the last portion of school because we had our heads so far up our fucking asses that we wouldn't change any of our safety measures. We could have prevented like 15,000 of those cases. Yeah, we were trying to warn them, weren't we? And Rika went up there today and tried to say that we're going to treat COVID like the flu and maybe it's not necessarily preventable. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, what is going on? And then Keith Baldry is putting out fucking, basically, let's call it propaganda. He's putting out opinions. Baldry is a journalist. Let's be real about that. He's a a government propaganda machine, similar to Fox News. Globe and Mail is Fox News now. It is. And they basically are running with the narrative that schools are safe. Like, we've seen this in UK play out. Like, come on. And, and let's, okay, I moved to Alberta, so I want to just share, like, even just one piece of information that we get in Alberta that you don't get in BC. Okay, so, wait. the daily info today, let me give you a few of them. Um, so, the latest R value is 0.74, so they give you the latest R value. 7.4? Um, and then, at the end, guess what they give me? 417 schools or 17% of schools in the province are on alert or have outbreaks with 3,409 total cases. In-school transmission is believed to have occurred in 870 schools since January 11th. 
You mean they don't have a Kathy and Andrea doing something like that in Alberta? No, they don't. And look at these numbers. 870 since January 11th. Fuck you, BC. That's with a your lot fake less. numbers and your bullshit. We know your game. We know the definitions you used. You said an outbreak was sustained, uncontrolled, unfindable transmission, widespread transmission. You made it so it was impossible for us to use those numbers and call these outbreaks. But we see it and we know what happened. And 23,000 kids got sick. 23,000 kids is a lot of damn kids. That's an entire generation. Right? How can you allow that to happen and Before be just so nonchalant? We had 500 kids before school started. Now it's 23,000. How is this okay? The fact that, why is that the fucking MSM is not even like discussing this? We don't have don't, parents don't up in arms get about it this. At school, but it spreads at school. And that's the point. School is not some magical place that can operate differently from everywhere else. What happens in another business place when there's transmission? It gets shut down because otherwise it spreads. So if we are not shutting schools, what do we think is happening with the COVID? It's just disappearing from the people that have it? Let's be it, honest. That, schools it, were not afforded the that most ridiculous. <laughs> schools were not afforded the most basic protections that everywhere else got. I mean, people working at grocery stores and even at Costco and even at a mall are, are better protected. Oh, and then they had the students and tell teachers. teachers that they were prioritized for vaccines. Yeah, I remember you kept being prioritized, and then ski hills jumped the jump the gun each time, right? Like the revision of the narrative is what's happening right now so we're past the emergency point which we knew we're, we're past the peak of what was happening um and we're now in revisionist history right we're now in the reworking of what's going on they're now ignoring again literally all of the data that's coming out from across the world the uk that's putting out these highlights of schools are in real trouble singapore schools are in real trouble germany schools are in real trouble you know the Biden administration is starting to talk about schools and there's a lot of concern going on right now with what's going to happen in schools. Before government. Everybody <laughs> seems to care about it except for us. Yeah, even the Ford government. Listen, listen, Doug Ford is doing a better job protecting teachers and students in right. the community than Jordan Morgan is. That is and that's saying a lot. It. That is just not worth it. But to our government, it's not worth it for them to have to pay for essential workers' childcare for the next couple weeks while school ends. That's not worth it to them. So they've kept it open. And all of these cases that happen in school that they're pretending don't, they were preventable. They were. And they were preventable even if we kept schools open by having simple measures. And that's the thing. None of us wanted schools closed. None of us have been crying out for that. We just wanted you to give teachers, education workers, and students basic protections that all other workplaces got. And they didn't get that. They still don't have it. Yeah, no, and we were just, you know, concerned for everyone's safety and didn't want them to get infected. And they're going to take know, our possible bio weapon. They're going to take our numbers. You know, Rika today pretty much said, like, we're going to treat this like the flu, which guess what that means? They're going to take our daily numbers. They're going to start using a rolling average. So we don't even get the information anymore. And that's really interesting considering who is the most at risk now for getting infected. Children. Children 
that are unvaccinated under 12. And we are going to lose all of the information we have that we've been using to calculate that. And that's what they've been taking away over the last two months is all of our access around information to children. They've slowly just been culling the information back since they have said they'd be more transparent. And now we're going to lose these. So we'll have no idea. We're just going to be blind. And they're going to hope to God that long COVID isn't that bad in kids. Because if it is, fuck those 23,000, right? Oh, we were learning. We didn't know. No, I actually foresee a huge freaking lawsuit coming. Because you know what? Those kids are not okay. They're not going to be okay. And the families are not okay. If not the kids, then the teachers should be because they were put at risk every day in that building. Every Every single day in that building, their life was put at risk and their union failed them. Every day. I'm sorry, but you know, you, you refuse to give someone basic protections that are necessary to stop them from being exposed to a deadly airborne pathogen. When entire countries do this every season, every flu season, entire countries do this. And we couldn't tell our kids that masks were mandatory. We had to make them a personal choice because our kids are such snowflakes in this white America that we have that they can't handle wearing a damn mask because that might hurt their little feelings or it might stop them from expressing themselves in some I, it's just way. It is and the anti-mask rhetoric is like a proven Russian like disinformation and 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 honestly like, it's homegrown. Bonnie Henry clearly doesn't like masks, right? She killed the mask culture in BC. We're we're totally screwed for our next pandemic. She has made it an oppositional thing, right? That these people are getting in fights over masks because they're being told in her words, it's a personal choice. Why would you use that language when it's already inflammatory? She has done so much damage to the collective protection of our communities. Like I can't even. But hey, let's be happy, all the rich white CEOs are protected, guys. That's well, what we did. Yeah, they—they're the ones who I guess are the donors, right? Regular folks like you and me. We don't count as much, I guess. But I mean, God, guys, how unfair is that? That our children are being basically forced to go into full-time face-to-face instruction in September with a fourth variant coming, with the Delta variant, the India variant, is so much deadlier and dangerous. And we have kids completely unvaccinated. And we're talking from zero to 12. That's from... Kids that have to go to daycare to freaking grade six. Well, and tell me that the kids in Fraser Health that are getting 20 exposure notices in their classrooms are getting the same quality of education that the kids that have 15 kids in in North Vancouver. Tell me, tell me that they're getting the same education in our education systems. Of course not. This is not about equity and this is not about the children. It's about pleasing your donors. Right, because if it was about equity, then 15 kid class would have been done to every district to protect every child. Oh, it certainly would have been done in Surrey by now, but they have continued to put restrictions on what can be done when people are hurting, right? Because they are okay with reopening even if Surrey continues to be hard hit, even if Fraser Health continues to be hard hit, because that's not really their problem, because that's not really their area. 
right? That's not an area where they're going to get complaints from the rich people that care about them. That's an area where it's people that are folks that don't have a lot of social capital, that don't have a lot of say in society, that don't have the means to push a lawsuit. And that's what it is. It's the means, right? We are victimizing those that have no means to fight against us. And that's what we always do. That's the point. To take away their power. And then that's the invisible line again. And the invisible line in Canada is home ownership. If you can cross the line, the threshold, and be a homeowner, then maybe they'll listen to you, right? Because if you're a renter, right, you're not afforded the exact same rights. Yeah, and you'll never have the means to do it anyway, right? Like the way that the market is going, it's just we yeah we're just it's it's horrifying to see public health which to me has always been this this uh depiction of being there to ensure equity of health systems ensure that the people that need the help the most are getting it is ass backwards completely and i was wrong obviously and i'll say that now that uh, in every way that i can see um based on my training based on ethics that i know based on my own experiences in every way that I see, they are ignoring the most harmed by this. It's, it's, they are actively not listening to the voices that are trying to tell them and crying out for help. And they are saying, your suffering is not enough for us to stop our plan. It is worth the cost. So I want to be clear that I'm not saying that they are ignoring your pain or they don't see it. I'm saying that they actively are allowing it because it allows them to complete their plan. They will see your suffering and sure, they have empathy, they're people. They probably feel shitty about it, but it is an allowable cost to them. My grandmother was an allowable cost to them and is now a talking point to them. They now talk about how they had lower mortality than other people, although they allowed four times as many people to die in LTC in wave two, including my grandmother, without using basic preventative measures. That's what they're doing. This is revisionist history in action. I almost wonder if, you know, when, you remember in last fall when they did like that rush rush vote mm-hmm. and Horgan got like majority power like it makes me wonder what the hell happened like was they there knew. a coup? No. Was oh, there a oh. coup? <laughs> clearly they had the modeling that showed that shit was going to take off right and he knew there was no other time as soon as that hit there was going to be no other time because what has he done since then fuck all that's right he sat on his ass he won't come out he's a freaking coward he's a coward it's so disappointing that he can't he can't even come out here and deal with 215 no, right he, has he made a, an announcement or anything nothing so nothing worthwhile like what where where are you demanding justice where are you because if we say that we're past our colonial history and we're not doing these things still where are you because silence is violence my friend silence is complicity Right. If we are not actively unlearning what we have done, if we are not actively being anti-racist, anti-sexist, anti-ist, we are allowing it. And if you are allowing it, you are contributing to it and you are the problem. Right. If you stand by while someone is being harmed and say nothing to benefit yourself, you are complicit. You are. 
it's unethical. I mean, this is the whole basis of why we couldn't stay silent because we saw what was happening ethically so a lot of and morally. Do not feel like this. A lot of people, people I know, tell me, why can't you just let this go? Why don't you just go live your life? Because it's bigger than my life. That's right. It's bigger than me. That's the point. It's not about me. And people can't get over this idea that, like, their summer, their experience, their life, like, and then there's those moments where we have it captured. There's moments when there's a recognition, and 215 is one of them, where people have this moment where they can recognize their horror of what we have done, but they just let it go, and they just move on, and they go back to their life. And we have to stay there. We have to stay there, even though it's hard. Yeah, doing cute little art projects and putting hearts on your window. We need more than that. I want to see real change. Right. And people, you know, people, indigenous peoples don't need to uh, have white companies come and tell them what they should buy using an indigenous model. They need funding for their communities. They need clean drinking water. Yeah, let's they do clean drinking water to first. end this performative alliances and become accomplices in the actual change. They need water. They need protection. Not just thoughts and prayers. They need burials for their children. They need, they need have, their children back. They need justice is what they need. You know, they say Canada, you're, we're supposed to be this rule of law country. Well, I'm sorry. They should treat every single residential school as a crime scene because that's exactly what's happened. But and, you know? but always the question is whose law? Whose benefit, right? They talk about this reopening. It's going to be beneficial for people. What people? Because it's not people I know. It's not the essential workers I know. No. They don't listen to those people. So we really need to start asking ourselves, who are they talking about? Because a lot of the time, it's not us. This is not for us. This system, capitalism, is not for us. We were not designed to win. We were designed to be little pieces in it and help it work. And that's what they're doing. And that's why we continue to try and disrupt it. And I am radical when it comes down to it that we need to overhaul systems in very expansive and complete ways because we cannot work within these systems. We have shown that. And we have shown time and time again that we will fail the people that need it the most. So it's time for them to have more control over it. Does that begin with representative government, you think? So, we definitely need an overhaul in government, that's for sure. Yeah. I don't even know what I think about political parties, though, to be honest. Like, that's that's how a little bit more extreme I am in terms of, like, I'm so much about community-based power and community-based dynamics and operating from the people systems versus allowing those institutions to overtake it and I believe in land back like and I don't know what that means for me I don't know what that means for settlers I don't know what we would do but I know that it's what we should do so we I should would push do. for it 
and I don't care what it means for me because it's the right thing to do and we will figure it out. And I have such incredible hopefulness in Indigenous peoples and the way that they have lived their lives that we would figure it out with them. The realist in me would say, you know, the people who have the power in the land would never be willing to give it back. Never. Which is, which is heartbreaking, right? Mm-hmm. And and power corrupts, and that is what this this eighteen months has shown me over and over and over again is that power corrupts in the simplest of ways, and it starts in the simplest of lies. And we are eighteen months into this, and now they went from saying this one line that school is safe to going through this whole thing of data manipulation and like all these things that they have done to weave this narrative for the economy, it will come undone. It will. The truth it will out. Does. Yes. And you guys are going to be like, all that effort that you spent to weave your lies, you could have spent that effort in, I don't know, trying to save lives to educating people, you know, maybe diverting your funds or diverting your efforts into, I don't know, actually making schools safe. Yeah. You know, but you know, that would be completely against what their party line is right now, which is complete garbage. And I agree with you. I don't know which party is the party. I don't think, I think it comes down to individuals in those parties because there's good and bad in every party, right? And what we have to decide to do, and much like the U.S. is we have to decide as people and as a society what we find to be acceptable and what is not and what it would what we push forward to be a better Canada. And and I I look at radical people, right? Like that is what I look for is people that are saying the things that I believe in in an open way because that is where we have to start. Like so much of this is we're still not even having the conversations about it, right? Like these are not conversations, real conversations about reconciliation. They're not because if they were real, we'd be talking about land back. We'd be getting people at the table and we'd be figuring these things out. We're not doing that because... We only want reconciliation as far as it's economically advantage to us. That's right. Same with controlling this freaking virus. Yep. Oh, because it's economically advantage. So just as those 215 kids that got buried and, and dead and all the other, you know, tens of thousands of other kids that were murdered in residential schools, it was because it was for the economy. Yes. The same thing was going to happen to all the kids in our schools and unsafe working and learning conditions and the teachers and kids are going to get sick with this delta variant and again it's for the economy and we got to say we got to think about this is this worth it and i got to tell you it's not fucking worth it long term it's not worth it for society to be sacrificing our children it is so foolish yet somehow we are in this position where we're in the minority mel and it's starting to get to me You know, it's starting to get to me that languishment of like, how do we exist in this world when 70% of us are okay with this? When their literal only thought is, this is what I need, this is what I want, I'm kind of done past that, right? Like, let's get back to normal. It's horrifying. It is. It's, it. We still have all sorts of global impacts that are going to happen and we are going to actively contribute to that because of community transmission, because of these things, because we refuse to be forward looking. If we had treated this like the 
initial pandemic of many to come, we could have set up so much of the systems and so many of the systems that we're going to need to help ourselves in the future, because we both know this won't be the only one. And now we've sort of shot ourselves in the foot because we have no sense of community now. No. We have no sense of a conscious towards each other. In fact, we are in this real state of divisiveness in where wearing a mask is like become like a sign of a problem, right? Where people are like making fun of you for wearing a mask or like, how did we get to that place when a mask is there to literally try and protect yourself and others in a respectful way? It's a complete failure of leadership. It could have been a simple statement at the beginning, like, we are a community. This is how we protect our community. It could have been so much easier, but no, they have to choose the hard way because they have to make things difficult and they don't want to have difficult conversations. So to pretend and make everything easy for them, they're going to just pretend everything is awesome and everything is okay. Oh, and they it's don't just answer. You know, yeah. they, they, they can't tell us basic facts such as how many people that are getting sick are unvaccinated. That's a pretty basic stat you should know daily now, right? Like, we need to know our vaccine breakthrough cases and what's going on. That's like a critical thing that we need to understand because we've been having quite a few cases of breakthrough as well, especially among the older populations. Also, just refusal to acknowledge the Delta variant and what's going on, Rika, today, right? Like, just kind of shrugged it off. Like, we are back in the situation with P1 where they were like, back. shrug, no big deal. And then no all of a sudden, deal. we're taking all of the vaccines for Whistler. Yeah, no big deal until you have to take all of the resources that could have been rerouted to marginalized communities and go do it for your economic plan. They are still not respecting the virus or dealing with it. They are still thinking. Well, they said today they're not going to deal with it. No, they're not dealing with it. They've given up on dealing with it is what they've said. They're just going to stop, stop counting cases daily and hope for the best. Right? Like that's pretty much what they said is we're going to be going down to one conference a week and they're going to drop daily numbers is what it sounded like today, which given how seriously everybody else is taking it right now, it seems a bit weird of a step, but. You know, what do I know? I'm BC, just an armchair epi. BC remains to be a global menace because they are flying blind. BC still not part of the COVID app nationally. We're opening right up so everyone in Canada can come here to BC and get infected with the Delta variant and not even know until you test positive back in your whole province. And that's pretty much how it's going to go. Well, in Alberta, I was looking at... They, I believe, are still screening every positive case for variants in terms of looking at the genome sequencing. And Rika said today something like, I can't remember what she said. She said we're looking at the serology or all of them, but she made it sound like they're screening all positive cases, which I don't know if that's still the case. Do you know that? I have no clue. Okay, I'm going to look into that because... Alberta's still doing all their things like they're paying very close attention to the number of the Delta variant cases and they were reporting on that. Yeah. Um, So we heard today that we have roughly 500 cases of the variant now, but they're still not breaking it down for us into the subtypes, right? Which there's differences in the transmissibility and all of these things and they're just not giving us the information again. And remember that BC was not disclosing to patients whether they were infected with a variant. 
which is insane. I'm sorry. If I'm infected with the variant, I would like to know. I yeah. cannot believe they're not even disclosing that. Well, and in their models still, if you look at them, they still haven't adjusted for the increased transmissibility. They just use the average transmissibility that they're use they're seeing in the data, which, of course, as we know, they're under testing. So the transmissibility probably isn't correctly accounted for in their models either. But now they're pumping out this uh, that bullshit doctor paper that got signed about, you know, we need to open schools because children's mental health. Again, um, I'll shout out Tyler Black here, who is the pediatric specialist who's um, shown that suicides did not go up during school closures. And Canada, you psychos. The United States was closed for school the entire year last year, and their children and are fine. Like, what is wrong with us? The entire, all of America was closed. I like, know. It, I don't understand what's wrong with us that we somehow think our children are going to melt if they can't go to school. It's not for our children's mental health. Let's stop lying. It's for our mental health. We yeah. need to go to work. We don't have the money to stay home because we are in a system that is now um, overpriced and inflated for everything. So I don't have a choice to not send my child to school unless I can give up my job. Let's be honest, that's what we need school for. That's what people need school for. Or that they're going crazy at home with their kids because they don't know how to keep them entertained. Or because they have really difficult behavior and they do really well at school and that helps them. But those are the reasons that people want schools open. Not because it's good for their mental health. Because they could have a play date with a child now. We have all sorts of social means that we can use now. School yeah. does not need to be there for that. No. And the kids that have learning disabilities have gotten even worse off by not being able to be there if it's not safe for them. The kids with disabilities who haven't been able to go there are worse off now. And the kids that are terrified and have had their anxiety disorders through the roof because they've had to go to school are also suffering. So when I, I go back to this question, when they say that this is for kids' mental health, which kids' mental health? Yeah, which kids? Which kid benefit? And I a hundred percent acknowledge and we've talked about this that there is a section of kids that absolutely need school for protection for safety for food for yes. all of those things we never said don't send them to school no we said take the kids that can stay home because they are from those privileged homes and it is a question of just not safety not needing food it's just a question of you know helpfulness uh that they go home that we figured this out, that we do rotations because other schools, other places have been doing this, right? Like other places have systems, but BC, and maybe this is the last thing I'll say on it, is BC and Bonnie Henry, as I've said all along, they just want to be the one place that says that they kept schools open magically. That's what they want to do. They want to have some sort of, she wants accolades for being the person that somehow managed with the hand washing and her books to keep schools open and kids were great. Well, 23,000 kids got sick. So yeah, 23,000 kids are infected with a possible bioweapon. With a and, bio and weapon. a huge chunk of those were from January on when you knew full well that that was going to happen, that kids were more at risk, and that it was more transmissible. That was on your dime, man. Like, that was that was all Bonnie Henry keeping schools open. Those cases from January 2021 on are all on her. It's so crazy that the U.S. had closed schools all year long. The kids are doing fine. The teachers were... The states that 
went and allowed them to learn at home had less teacher deaths. The the states that stayed fully open, full-time face-to-face instruction had the most teacher deaths. And those were states like Texas and Florida. Kind of like- Well, what did did Toronto find with income and COVID cases? Hmm. The lower income you are, the way more COVID cases there are. Right? And when you say things like, well, they live in houses with more people. Yeah, that's the point of privilege. You have the ability to live in a house with six rooms for three people. Right? Like, that's a privilege. That is a privilege. People don't want to live with six people in one room or six people in two rooms. That's not how people are wanting to live. That's how they have to live. Right. They don't have an option. You have the option. That is the point. You know people who work two jobs and they live in a freaking basement suite mm-hmm. and they're paying $2,500 rent for a two-bedroom basement suite and they have three kids in there with them yep. you know and they have good jobs but you know what they don't have freaking 600000 or even 500000 down to put on a house to afford a house or even let alone be approved for a mortgage yep. right? Because, I mean, the invisible line that we talk about is home ownership. And now they're even saying, if you make under 150000 as a Canadian, you still qualify for government help. So exactly how expensive is the fucking housing in Canada? If you make $150,000 income and you still need government assistance to purchase a home, mm-hmm. everyone's property taxes went up. Oh, like yeah. My, um, my neighbor's property tax went up 64%. Of course. Everyone's property taxes. Where they get their money from. That's right. Right. So you're talking about property. You bought a house where the property tax started at like a thousand dollars a year. And suddenly you're at $10,000 a year, three years later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How do you pay for that? If you're already house poor. So that's why we're seeing a lot of people moving into RVs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And again, down. There's no other options for people, right? Like we're living in a system where housing is unaffordable. People can't change that. They have no choice in that. So we are perpetuating these systems that have allowed these inequities beforehand to get worse, right? Like they tried to say that these issues aren't public health problems. No, they didn't start in public health, but you sure as hell are escalating them. Yeah. Right? You sure as hell can't say that you didn't know that marginalized people were going to die more because we knew that and you still let it happen. Well, now we're having the domino effects, right? Because you can't just say, I'm going to ignore this one part of our social web and let stuff happen and build up in this part of the web and have the social web break in one part and not expect there to be fallout and a domino effect from a social net breaking. Right, because mm-hmm. essentially they are making our social safety net so bloody weak that there are people in our society that will that can literally lose their home by just having one bad day. Yeah. Right? All it takes is one bad day and they'll end up living in their car. Yes. And people don't realize how quick it can go bad for them. Right? Because everyone's thinking, oh no, that's not me. I make good choices, blah blah. No, you don't understand this system. The predatory capitalistic system that is in Canada, that is meant to be a commonwealth, those two systems don't mesh. And that's mm-hmm. why we have people 
living on the edge in the margins right now with people not being able to survive in a commonwealth it's mm-hmm. because they've completely upended our commonwealth by introducing predatory capitalistic measures into our ecosystem absolutely like, if you think about canada as an ecosystem things are all basically all fucked up right now because we've had a foreign fauna and foreign flora basically introduced let's say thanks for listening everyone and uh we'll talk next time